Hey everybody, Vic here. Um, I'm going to be speaking today. Um, before I get into uh, today's message, which again is out of uh, the letter, the first letter that Peter wrote uh, to a bunch of churches, and of course one of those churches would be us, City Gates. Um, and so yeah, we're going to read from chapter 2, but before I get into that, you know, last week I did uh, a preacher message called Seeing the Believing. Um, and it was an, a pretty important message, uh, considering one of our values is to be strategic missionaries for Jesus. Uh, and in that sermon, I, you know, I gave some points from the verses out of uh, the, the letter that Peter wrote uh, to help us and to, I trust, equip us to be kind of better missionaries, better evangelists, people that share the good news of Jesus with others. And so if you did miss last week, I just want to take this moment to encourage you uh, to catch up if you can. It's all on YouTube, and so you can just fast forward to the beginning of that message. Um, I know our community groups have, uh, have discussed some of the stuff in there, uh, but and if you're not in a group, of course, you know, get into a group because that's what that's one of the ways we, we take what we say on a Sunday and we, we uh, drive it deeper into our hearts um, and make it more practical even. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to encourage you to meet, please catch up if you, if you missed that. Uh, but today we're going to uh, pick up from verse 13 uh, in chapter 2. And uh, the title to today's uh, message is uh, Submission and Suffering. I'm sure it'll make sense as we read together. So turn in your Bibles to chapter 2 of uh, 1 Peter. And of course, if you don't have one, it's up on the screen. The words will be there. Verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is God's word. Why don't you join me quickly as I pray. Father, thank you for these words. Uh, again, we invite you uh, through your spirit to come and teach us and to equip us. Open our eyes, open our ears to hear what you want us to hear and to see what you want us to see and ultimately to be transformed into the image and the likeness of your Son in whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, today we'll probably focus uh, primarily on the message that's uh, up until verse 17. Uh, I think Toby will pick it up from verse 18 onwards and, and spend more time in that portion of what we read today. Um, but I can break the sermon up really into two sections, submission and suffering. And, uh, and according to Peter, we should be doing both at the same time. Uh, and, uh, you know, verse 13, he kicks off by saying, be subject for the Lord's sake, 
So there's a submission not just to authorities, he says, to every human institution, but be subject to them for the Lord's sake. So there's these two levels of submission. We submit to the Lord and we submit to every human institution. Uh, and Peter describes these uh, emperors, you know, we call them these days presidents. And, and I know we still have governors. It's a word that he used there. Um, but, uh, you know, we have prime ministers, etc. You can insert those names in there, he says. But he describes them as human institutions. Um, and in this case, I think it is in order to uh, counter the claim of the sort of emperor cult that was the norm of the day. What I mean by that? Well, they all believed or many of them believed that uh, the, the Roman ruler was uh, was a deity, that when you became the emperor in that sense, that you were deified as a result. And so, you know, Peter writes, he says, no, I want you to honor everyone. Okay, and when he says everyone, he's including the emperor. So he's basically saying all people deserve honor and respect, uh, including the emperor. Not only the emperor or not the emperor needs more. Uh, actually, honor everybody. He kind of levels the playing field. And he says if anybody's to be feared, it should be God. In verse 17, he says, you know, uh, fear God. And then he ends off by saying, honor the emperor again, which is really just putting his message in brackets. He starts off by saying, honor human institutions, and he ends off by saying, honor the emperor. And in between, he says, look, we've got to honor everyone. If you want to fear anybody, fear God. He's the, the deity. Um, and so the ultimate authority is God, who we submit to. Um, and, uh, you know, we believe as Christians in God's sovereignty that, that he is the emperor's emperor. You know, he's the prime minister's prime minister. And whether the prime minister uh, currently in power or the emperor in power believes it or not, that is our view that God is ultimately sovereign uh, and everything happens in accordance with the way that he wants it to take place. Um, but he's making the distinction that we are creatures, even the emperor is a creature, and there's only one creator. Um, and so there's no need to deify the emperor and to worship a ruler at all. But, but he's saying, although they're not deity, although they're not God, they, not, they must be submitted to. Uh, you know, so it's easy to stop there and go, okay, great, I can just do what I want because I submit to God. No, he's saying, no, submit nonetheless to these rulers. And he says, for the Lord's sake. Right for the Lord's sake, do that. So submitting to Caesar, uh, it, that doesn't happen because he is divine. We submit to the Caesars of our day because Jesus is divine, because he is Lord. For the Lord's sake, we do these things. You know, as Jesus Himself said, you know, I am divine, you are the branches. I don't know if that's going down well, but I, it made me giggle. And so Peter's word here is nothing short of. Um, an emphasis on civil obedience, on civil obedience. And I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of talk amongst churches, particularly amongst uh, um, uh, uh, Christian leaders, church leaders, about uh, where is the line where civil disobedience as a, uh, you know, um, as a result of our faith in Jesus is required. And so I think this is a very relevant passage for us to be reading to, today. Um, but he is, he, Peter here is, is underlining the fact that we should be Obedient. Civil obedience is required of us. And it's an obedience that extends even to the times when the ruling authorities are unjust. Because as you continue to read and he starts to talk about subsections of society like slaves and masters, he's even telling the slaves, as we'll see in a moment, to submit even if it is unjust, the ruler is unjust. And so, you know, verse 14 here technically gave us the brief of a ruler uh, of what they ought to be like. You know, it says here to punish the evil and to praise those who do good. In other words, 
it's making the assumption that authorities and rulers are, um, are good rulers, ones who would, of course, punish evil and reward good. Um, and it's interesting, you know, most people, you don't have to be a Christian, will listen to that and go, yeah, they'll nod their heads and go, that sounds about right. Um, but then, of course, they would frown upon the king of the universe, you know, the ultimate authority, uh, exercising his just judgments upon uh, humanity as it's outlined for us in scripture. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. People want their cake and eat it. We, we all agree to the fact that human institutions need to be just and fair, but we don't want God to treat us in that way. And I'm so grateful for Jesus who came to rescue us, you know, uh, um, and we might explain that, you know, in subsequent weeks or even today some more uh, as well. Um, and so, yes, the brief is, you know, be a good leader and therefore it makes it easier for us to submit to them. Um, and, but unfortunately, some Christians uh, even think that uh, this means that if they are good, we should submit to them. Uh, and if they are bad leaders, we shouldn't submit to them. Um, and I want to stop just for a moment and just say, listen, that sounds a lot like the norm in the culture. That doesn't sound like you are any different to the culture out there. I mean, I've, you know, I'm not like a news fundy or anything, and I don't necessarily understand the politics in the West, particularly down south in America too well. But I think that that kind of stance of like, well, if you are worthy of my submission, I'll submit to you. But if you make decisions that I disagree with, that I don't like, or that impacts me negatively, well, then, you know, fill in the blanks, you know, like, uh, stuff you. Um, and, I, and I don't have to, I don't want to submit to you, or at least I will let you know that this is not something I'm doing joyfully. And this is not what Peter is saying here. This is not how he's writing to, to Christians. He's saying, don't be like that. He's saying uh, um, that even if they are unjust, um, that submission uh, is an important thing for us. And so it is very tempting to lean upon this text, you know, and, and to say, well, you know what Peter really means uh, is, is this. Like he, what Peter should have said or what he could have written um, is this, and, you know, and maybe justify civil disobedience in one sense. We might, we might uh, you know, one, one guy said it's like a drunk person that kind of leans on a lamppost and, and uses the lamppost not for light, which is what it's designed for, but using it for support and for stability. And so, you know, we don't want to take the Bible and do that and actually use what is said over here for, for, the, for the purpose that it's not designed for. Uh, because Peter here, um, he, is, he is encouraging us to be uh, uh, civil, you know, responsible uh, in a civil sense, you know, to be obedient to the authorities and the rulers. Um, and we know, and you, you know, people might pull out the scriptures. Well, Peter himself defied the authorities. You know, if you go to Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, you know, they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus. And so, yes, you know, they, I understand that there will come a time and may come a time where, uh, uh, you know, we are required to, to, to be um, disobedient in a sense if it defies and violates God-given commandments to us. Um, but I also want to draw to your attention that Peter gladly, and in fact, the Bible says joyfully, took a beating for it. So there's a sense that he submitted willfully to the consequences of him breaking the law. Um, and so this is a weird thing, man. This thing of submitting to the authorities as a Christian, uh, but what if they you know, ask you to do something that God does not want you to do? There's a sense that there's even submission to the consequences when you are not in submission to the request. You know, I hope that makes sense. But these are things that we have to wrestle with. And it's not as, as simple as black and white, uh, um, but it is you know, in terms of the, the letter of the law, we have to wrestle with these things. But it seems that Peter is saying the stance is one of meekness, one of submission. 
Um, and, he, and he grounds his exhortation here uh, in you know, our identity as God's people. Uh, he does that a few verses before as well. I mean, we're a holy nation, a chosen people. Uh, and he says now that you are servants of God. He's using that term, bond servant, someone who's willingly submitting themselves to another master. Um, and he's saying, we submit to authorities, uh, uh, human institutions, not because we are their servants, but because we are God's servants. Again, not because they are a deity, but because Jesus is a deity, because he is Lord. For the Lord's sake, we do this. And, 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 and verse 16, uh, um, you know, he encourages us to use our freedom to do right and not to do wrong. The freedom that we have in Christ. Um, you know, even, therefore, if they are bad leaders, leaders that are unworthy of submission in a sense, that we use our freedom uh, in Jesus to do right and not to do wrong. Um, you know, I think of my own life. You know, I became a Christian at late high school, uh, and uh, and you know, I was a kind of a metalhead, you know, um, uh, rocker, um, and that whole you know scene and what comes along with that scene was that was the subculture I was a part of. And my dad was a lieutenant colonel in the army, so you know, the the lifestyle that I was living and the music that I was listening to and the way that I was dressing, you know, long dirty, oily hair and lots of bangles and things, you know, I've calmed down now as I'm a little bit older. Um, and and just, it just it just wasn't in sync. So me and my dad, we didn't really get along um, just on the basis of the, 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 the subculture that I was involved in. But I also, when I became a Christian, my, because my dad's subculture was the army, was, was the military. And um, I'm not too sure if every military is the same way all over the world, but I can certainly tell you that the regiment that my dad was a part of and the, the culture at that day, um, you know, a lot of things uh, took place in the army that, you know, you could frown upon. Um, and, uh, and as I became a Christian, I kind of used my faith in Jesus to justify my rebellion against my dad. And, and, you know, I was a young punk, stupid, snot-nosed, you know, early new Christian, uh, arrogant, you know, and my newfound, uh, uh, you know, the light that has shone into my life and the righteousness that I've received from Jesus. And I could clearly see the, the brokenness and the sin in others. And, and so I saw to my dad and I rebelled against my dad, put huge strain on our relationship. I mean, I won't tell you the whole story, but it, it wrecked many years of our relationship. God has graciously restored it. My dad is now a believer. He follows Jesus. Um, and so God has been good. Good to us. But I remember that I try to justify my rebellion. Um, I just try to use my freedom in Christ to, to, do, uh, to justify the wrong of rebelling against my earthly father, my, you know, the human institution that God has set to me. And actually, it, it corrupted my heart to such an extent. I actually backslid. Like there was a season in my life after I became a Christian where my rebellion against my earthly father actually resulted in my rebellion against my heavenly father. Um, so it wasn't a good way at all. And that kind of reminds me of what, what uh, Peter is trying to say over here. You know, do not use your freedom in Christ to justify wrong, but use it to do good. And uh, he's saying, demonstrate your faith by submitting to authorities. Don't use your freedom to defy the government publicly, or even to despise the government privately. I think those are two ways that it can happen. And you know, um, and and this is what we are seeing in our society. I mean, regardless of whether you're a believer or not, there's this the sense that there's a defiance of 
of the governments, uh, um, sometimes publicly, or there's a despising of authority, even privately. And, and maybe when Peter talks about the sinful desires that wage war against our souls in the context of what he's saying over here, maybe he's talking about like there could be a private bitterness, you know, just, just what you carry or an open public retaliation and aggression. So there might be public rebellion or private resentment. And he's saying both are wrong. Of course, the one is just acting upon what's already in the heart and the other one is it's in your heart there nonetheless. Um, and he says, no, instead of that, do good. So not just submitting, but also doing good. Um, because many people think that Christians are never up to any good. You know, as soon as they find out you're a Christian, they're like, oh, I know what's coming. I know the stereotype. They paint you with a, a, a certain brush. And so, of course, submitting to human institutions is helps in, 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 in our pers uh, uh, their, their perception of us. Um, but also, we ought to be throwing ourselves into good things. Into, into things that is good for society, things that is, that is good for our communities. And, and Pete, Peter here actually talks also about you know, these good things from the vantage point of people who are most likely to be mistreated. I mean, he, he moved into slaves and masters. As I read a bit of that, he'll go a little bit into even the relationship with, with husbands and wives in that context. Uh, and of course, the, the first few verses here talks about just civil uh, subjects, subjects in society, subjects in the workplace and subjects in the marriage. Um, but as he writes about these things, this is not like a full treatise, an explanation on it. Other bits in the Bible do cover, you know, how husbands and wives and slaves and, and masters should, should behave as, as believers in far greater detail than Peter does it over here. No, no, no. He actually focuses on the submission thing. He's not even writing to people that's in, in, in authority, saying, okay, you're in authority, you should do this. No, he's just writing to people that are subjects of of you know the, that kind of institutions, and so uh, you know submission really. You know Peter here is saying that that defines the Christian ways uh, because being like Jesus describes the Christian goal. He, he's saying that you know if our aim is to be like Jesus, well then submission should be a trademark of of those who followed Jesus, the ultimate one. And, and if, you, if you keep keep reading here from verse 21 to 25, even we saw some glimpses in the verses that we read together here, the, the gravitational center, center of these verses, the thing that all of these instructions orbit around um, is, is the meekness and the submissiveness of Jesus himself. It's, it's, it's asking us, it's, he's appealing to us to be these sort of meek, uh, submissive uh, citizens on the basis of Jesus's submission and how he lived his life. So um, this is this is the encouragement Peter gives us. And you know, if anybody had to learn this lesson, I think it was Peter. You know, Peter didn't learn this thing overnight himself. Uh, can you remember in John chapter 18 when Jesus was arrested? Okay, what did Peter do? John 18 tells us he he pulled out a sword and he chopped off one of the one of the uh, servant's ears. Um, and so, you know, that's the same guy that's writing to us right now uh, to, to not resist to that extent. You know, it's like this, there's, there's, there's a sense that Peter has, sense that Peter has learned this lesson. And so that brings us to the second, but the suffering one, because he's not only talking about submission, but also about suffering. I mean, you think about in that garden, you know, he, he, Jesus was led away to, to go suffer on that cross. Uh, and he told Peter to not resist that. 
Um, and so, you know, the second bit of these verses that we read here has to do with suffering, not only submission. Suffering, especially for being a Christian and for acting like a Christian, for responding perhaps to injustice in a way that is uh, uh, Christian uh, and suffering as a result of that. So he's saying instead of acting like victims in society, victims who need a rebellion to amplify their voice, actually we should act as victors with a resurrection, knowing that we have a conquering king who conquered death. And even if death is the outcome of our meekness and our, and our goodness in terms of living out our faith and following Jesus, even so, uh, uh, we, we won't lose because we have the resurrection. We don't need a rebellion. Um, we are victors. We are not victims in that sense. And so, uh, you know, when Peter's writing this, uh, Roman authorities uh, began executing Christians probably around 64 AD. So after he had written this letter. So when he's talking about persecution and suffering, maybe he's referring to something a little more subtler uh, uh, than, than you know, full-on executions at this stage. Things like losing your job because you're a Christian or, or being fined or being flogged or, or being ostracized in your community. Um, it's actually quite interesting when he says in the beginning there, I think it's verse... 17 or 16, he says, you know, uh, honor everybody, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Uh, you know, some commentators say that the love the brotherhood is, is, is put in there because actually to be uh, associated with, with believers and to, to be a part of the family of believers, you know, he's putting that instruction to love them alongside uh, submission to authorities. Why? Because actually maybe people stopped showing up to the gatherings of believers for fear of persecution. And so there's a sense that Peter might say, no, no, you know, keep, keep loving the brotherhood, keep prioritizing gathering. You, you are the church. These are your people. This is your family. But um, anyway, he's, he's encouraging uh, to submit even in the face of suffering. And, and, you know, he talks here about this being a matter of God's will. And then how often you, you meet with people and you, and you know, I don't know what God wants to do for my life. What is his will for me? You know, there's some, there's some generic uh, things in scriptures that, 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 uh, that we could look to. One of them is over here to, to do good and to submit as a, as, a, as a matter of God's will. And also, if suffering is a result of this submission um, to both God and to the institutions or suffering as a result of us doing good, using our freedom to do good and not to do wrong, um, that that too, it implies, is part of God's will. And so we really do need a theology of suffering, especially I think as we move into society where this, this question, civil obedience, civil disobedience, do I do I go with the flow or do I reject it and just go with the flow of the consequences of my rejection of it? These are things that we have to have to uh, work out. And we need a theology of suffering, understanding that there very well is uh, the case that sometimes our suffering is within the will of God because he's doing something greater, maybe something we're not even able to see yet. But one day we will and, and we trust him in the midst of that. Um, he's, 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 he's speaking to us. Uh, in uh, about suffering in that way and you think about it his message is to slaves here uh, you know the second half of what we read and these people uh, have had you know they, they probably have more reason to feel victimized uh, than others do um, and he says you should gladly submit to your masters even the bad ones in fact he's saying especially the bad ones it's amazing how Peter is saying it's a gracious thing 
It, there's something about what you're doing that displays the grace of God that shows that there's something higher going on in your life, something sweeter going on in your life. It's a gracious thing. Again, purpose in suffering. That is, that is, that is part of our theology. Uh, um, and, and so he's saying it's, it's a gracious thing uh, when you suffer, when you do good, when you suffer as you, uh, if you're a Christian. Um, I mean, th- this, is, this is stuff that we've got to wrestle with. It's much easier to just read through these things and, and go, okay, let's just move on to something that's easier to preach and to say. Um, but I think it's very relevant to us in our day. You know, I was, as I was preparing for this, I was reading what uh, uh, um, Tertullian said. He was a, a, a church father, uh, sort of, he wrote this 197 AD, so, um, uh, you know, in the second se- uh, century. And uh, uh, he wrote a, 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 a response uh, to, to when, um, you know, an emperor actually took a Christian girl and instead of executing her, I don't know if it was throwing them to the lions or not, actually handed her over to a, a, a leader of a brothel. Um, and so this was Tertullian's response to that. Um, because, you know, he's the guy who penned the words, and this is from that passage. It says, the blood of the martyrs or the seed of the church. So he's basically saying to the authorities, is that you can try and crush us, but actually, you know, our blood as Christians suffering for the sake of Jesus is actually the seed that'll cause the church to flourish. And, you know, um, and, and he was in his letter writing that the fact that you giving this girl to the leader of a brothel and not executing her shows that she has a resurrected king, not afraid of death. And what is more important to her is to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. So you would throw her in the path of sin, knowing that would hurt her more than, than murdering her, than killing her. Powerful. And he carries on by reading, saying, um, uh, uh, sorry, carries on by writing, saying this, um, who sees us die without inquiring why we do so? And who, after inquiry, does not embrace our teaching? And after embracing it, who does not desire to suffer with us? And so there, there is, a, you know, even in his words, there's the sense that suffering for doing good is a gracious thing. There's something that's, that God can use in us and in those who are witnessing it and, and for future generations. And we need to be willing to do that as we walk this tightrope of what it means to submit uh, to civil authorities and at the same time submit to the ultimate authority, God. And, and, and as we submit to him, ultimately, that we find ourselves sometimes submitting to the consequences of society as a result of submitting to, to God. I hope that message has come through, at least that, fi- that tightrope that you and I would need to walk. And, you know, Jesus is the ultimate example of this to, for us. Um, it's no wonder that as we continue to read that Peter actually starts to quote from Isaiah 53 number of times. And that, that passage is called the suffering servant. It's a prediction of Jesus Christ. He, he quotes from that passage in Isaiah, pointing us to Jesus, whom he walked and talked and lived with himself, saying, if Jesus did that, so should we. It's very important. So it's not easy, but it is essential, the words that we are read here. And it is honestly what Jesus meant when he taught on loving our enemies, on doing good to those who hate us, blessing those who may curse us, praying for our persecutors, and turning the other cheek if we are struck on, on the other one. And so I think this is a great uh, segue for us to, to move into communion. Again, I'm just going to give communion instructions um, and you will work that out in your community groups. Okay, 
So, uh, you know, whether you are pausing this video right now and doing it together as a community group over Zoom, or maybe you are doing this communion uh, moment later uh, in the week uh, during your community groups, uh, this is my uh, tip, instruction for you as to how to go about it. I want you to celebrate Jesus, of course, always, as you take the bread and the cup that, that represents his body and his blood that was shed. I want you to celebrate Jesus as the one who submitted Right? He submitted to the Father, and in the end, he submitted to the authorities that crucified him. And, and, and he suffered as a result. As he submitted to the will of the Father and to, to, to the authorities, he suffered. And the result of his suffering was you and my salvation. That is what I want you to hold these elements. I want you to remember that. Jesus submitted, and, and, and therefore, I can live in submission. And, and as a result of that, he suffered. And I can endure suffering, and it's because of his suffering that I can stand saved uh, and rescued today and celebrate that as you take communion together. That's all from me for this week. I'm going to hand over now to uh, uh, Toby, who's doing the commission. Have a wonderful week. Hey, my name is Toby. And uh, this week I came across a news story about a man who won the lottery. And of course, it's not newsworthy in and of itself. Uh, what happened was this man who was the, uh, an owner of a convenience store actually found a winning ticket that was thrown away. And he found it and he, he realized what it was. He was overjoyed. He thought about all the things he could do with it. Uh, when he realized, he knew exactly who this belonged to. See, a, a woman who regularly came in her lunchtime, lunch break, would do this scratch and win ticket and mistakenly had thrown away. And so it's newsworthy because uh, he, he, he did the right thing. He found uh, this woman, gave her the winning ticket, and she got to uh, partake and share in the joy of winning. Uh, during this time of commission, the first thing I wanted to remind you of is that you have a winning ticket if you are a follower, follower of Jesus. Uh, not, not the lottery, as helpful as money may be. Uh, we would be mistaken if we thought true uh, freedom was found in money alone, given how finite and flawed we are. Now, what the, the, this winning ticket, what Peter has been reminding us, what we have won is God's favor, God's grace through Jesus. He has uh, chosen us. He has saved us. He has loved us for all eternity. And this is not because uh, he owes it to us. It's not like we discarded the winning ticket. No, no, no. Jesus, think about this. Jesus, the only truly free person to have walked this earth, who uh, was limitless, who is unbound, actually became bound. He submitted himself to God and even to human authority to die a death on a cross for our sakes. The truly free one, Jesus, gave us true freedom. So we no longer need to find our identity uh, in our work and reputation. We no longer need to be slaves to the evil uh, in us or around us. And being truly free, Peter reminds us, we are actually free to serve. He commands us, live as free people. And then just a few moments later, perhaps paradoxically, he says, living as servants of God. So this is my charge to you this week. This is, I think, is Peter's charge to us. It's to use your freedom to serve God, to serve his church, and to serve your neighbor. Uh, give of yourself, your time, your resources for the flourishing and good of others. This 
uh, identity we have is so different that Peter over and over again calls us foreigners and sojourners and exiles and wanderers. We are citizens of heaven. But being citizens of heaven, we can actually become the best citizens on earth. Well, have a great rest of your Sunday. Hopefully we'll find you in your community groups and we'll see you here again next Sunday.